Our scripture reading this morning is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 13 and reading through verse 25. Therefore, gird your minds for action, keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you address the Father... The one who impartially judges according to each man's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay upon earth, knowing that you are not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of the lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another, from the heart for you have been born again not of seed which is perishable but imperishable that is through the living and abiding word of god for the flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass the grass withers and the flower falls off but the word of the lord abides forever and this is the word which was preached to you going to give you a challenging assignment, if you will, to listen or to reflect on the words that you have just sung. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. To reflect upon the song that we're going to sing. Prepare to meet thy God. And to reflect upon the scriptures that were just read. And to consider the thought again brought out in the scriptures. That God does not show partiality. What he asks of one, he asks of all. 
My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That has application to every human being upon the face of this earth, regardless of where they live, and, for, and regardless of a time frame in which they lived. It has nothing to do with my worth as an individual apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with the fact that I may have been born in America and had free access to the Word of God. God shows no partiality. What he brings out of one, he will ask out of all of us. We were looking this morning just briefly in Matthew 25. The parable of the talents made reference to it at least. In verse 15. That he gave to each one according to their several ability. God gave to each one their ability. Each one. One may have five. One may have two. One may have one. But it's given to their ability. So there is no partiality being shown there. And what one has been given, then there is a day of reckoning and a day of answering for that talent or talents that you have been or that we have been entrusted with. So there is a need to prepare to meet our God. The answer for the things done in the body, whether they be good or whether they be evil. The answer to God for the life that we live based on the blood that Jesus shed upon that cross. For the remission of our sins, have we accepted that, obeyed it? And have we continued to strive to walk in the light as he is in the light so that we may have fellowship with one another? To know that our fellowship is with the Father. And with the Son, Jesus Christ. It's challenging as you read what Peter has to say. And then to reflect a little bit on the life of Peter. And to see the human qualities that are there. And to see the divine nature that is there. And working in the transformation of that one called Peter. Peter in, was one of those that was chosen by Jesus to be an apostle. Called to leave his physical business of fishing to become that fisher of men. One who would be entrusted with miracles Abilities to cast out demons, to raise the dead. But one who as a human being, whereas human beings are, have a tendency to do, wrestled with this concept that with God there is no partiality. On the day of Pentecost, following the resurrection of Jesus in Acts 2, he, along with eleven, delivered that powerful, powerful sermon in Acts chapter 2. They go about spreading the gospel. 
But as you get to Acts chapter 10, and there is an encounter that Peter will have with Cornelius. As you read down through there, even though Peter had been entrusted with the gospel, even though he had understood or had listened to the Great Commission to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature, humanity was still there. As he comes to the house of Cornelius after he's been visited by the angel and told to go, he makes mention of the fact, you know it's not lawful for a Jewish person to come into the house of a Gentile. This is after the preaching of the gospel. This is after being told that the gospel was for all. Peter has still not grown to see there was no partiality with God. He would preach the gospel to Cornelius and baptize him. Then you get over to Acts or Galatians chapter 2 and you see Peter once again still wrestling with this concept of partiality. When some Jewish brethren came down from Jerusalem, he stopped eating with the Gentiles. And Paul had to rebuke him to his face because he stood condemned. He did not fully grasp this idea of there is no partiality with God. Human beings still wrestle with that in the world today. Not talking just about the world. Talking about Christians throughout the world who still wrestle with the concept of partiality. Needing to learn that it's not there. You go back to 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7. Chapter 16, Samuel has been sent to the house of Jesse to anoint anoint a new king for Israel to replace Saul. And as Samuel comes into the house of Jesse, and Jesse had called his sons in for the meal. As Samuel begins to go through the lineage, he's looking again from a wrong perspective. And is reminded in verse 7 that God does not look on the outside. God looks at the heart. And the one that would be king was not even present at that time. Is this all your sons, Samuel asked Jesse? No, I've got one more, but he's out tending the sheep. Man looks on the outward more than he does on the inward. And that's the challenge for us. 
That's what we sang in the song, is it not? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It has nothing to do with my location. It has nothing to do with my nationality. It has nothing to do with capabilities or talents. It has nothing to do with anything. Salvation. Except Jesus' blood and his righteousness. There is no partiality with God. And even during the times when there was a separation between the Jews and the Gentiles, there was still an understanding that there was no division in the eyes of God. They were there. As you read Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 1, as we get down to verse 18 and following, reminds us of the fact that man is without excuse. For creation tells you that there is a God. Chapter 2 reminds us that those Gentiles who did not have the law of God written down had a law of God written on their heart. So they are without excuse. Their conscience will accuse them or excuse them. And there's not a human being that has ever lived or shall ever live that can live a life where his conscience will not accuse him. He's done wrong. That's why in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. The Jews with the law didn't keep the law. The Gentile without the law had a law in their heart and they didn't keep it. They were all sinners. Then chapter 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death. But that free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is no partiality with God. If you have one talent, you will be judged by that one talent that God has given. If you have the five talents and have all the knowledge that is there, you're going to be judged by that. What have you done with Jesus? Creation tells you God is, and you need to be seeking him out. Again, there's not a society anywhere upon the face of this earth who has not have, had, or have, or will have a form of worship. There's a knowledge that there's something greater than man. They may not know what it is. But again, Romans 1, 18 through 32 says, creation tells you there is one, and that is God. So they are without excuse. All need to hear that glorious news of salvation through Jesus Christ. He doesn't show partiality. There's lessons we were discussing that a little bit in the auditorium class this morning. Lessons to be learned. Rejoice always, even in the persecution. James talks about that in James chapter 2. There's trials. There's tribulations, there's temptation. There's the word of God. 
There is no partiality shown there. It helps us to, to grow and to develop. But James also reminds us that man still, godly people still, show partiality. Two men come into the assembly, one rich and one poor. One finely dressed, rings on his finger, the other in filthy clothes. Into the assembly of saints, and partiality is shown. God is not a God of partiality. That's what Peter said in the reading this morning. If you call on God as Father, who shows no partiality, you need to look at the life we live. You need to look at the heart that we have. Are we indeed striving to be godlike? To be godly? To have the attitude that God would have us to have? Or do we show partiality? God created us each different. It's one of those marvelous, marvelous things about that creation of God. Every human being has a distinct set of characteristics. No two fingerprints are identical. Other markers that are there that says that we're different. But it's the reminder as to who made us that way. And what purpose does he have? A lot of lessons that we are given time to learn over the years that we are able to walk on the face of this earth. And a lot of times we stumble and fall. As did Peter. Again, it's hard as you read that account of Peter. That as he would get down to verse 35 of Acts 10 and say, Now I know that God shows no partiality. Anyone anywhere who calls on his name has that opportunity. And he still would miss the application. God shows no partiality. You do not have an inside track to God simply because you're here. Any soul, anywhere, who hears that glorious news of salvation and obeys it is in a right standing with God. No favoritism being shown. For those who have done mission work, understand that. For those who have read the account of missionaries and the work that they do, understand that. But there are souls around the world 
in conditions that we would describe as being horrible, unsanitary. But the souls there have a love for God and a desire to serve Him that is unmatched. So the challenge is always there to recognize the individuality that we have, to recognize the talents that we have been given, the capabilities. And as was mentioned in this morning, we understand that physically, every baby that is born learns to do something that they have never done before. Every baby learns to do things that they have never done before. We're babies in Christ. We're children of God. And we're being asked to do things that we may have never done before. Develop that characteristic of impartiality. Develop that characteristic that does away with the concept of favoritism. We're reminded in Deuteronomy 10 and verse 17 that God is great. God is mighty. He is an awesome God. And he shows no partiality. We're well familiar with John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So loved the world, every human being, that he gave his son to die for us. God is impartial. Each one is judged by the standard that God has given. Each one will answer to what God has done. You are special in one sense, created by God, given the gospel, obeyed the gospel, but in that obedience to the gospel, you are expected to live a life according to the gospel. Christianity is never a cafeteria style of equal options to choose. Not able to pick and to choose. The gospel is given for us to obey, to serve and to grow. That applies to every human being that we encounter. That potential. Again, we see it in the physical realm. It's always interesting to see news items and to see the reports from, on various things. I've seen individuals who are done things that they were told they'd never be able to do. And it's encouraging to see that finally 
probably been done before, I know, but finally to see we're somewhat in a society where individuals are seeing the, the need to encourage every human being to believe that they can do more than what they're doing. Physical handicaps, mental handicaps are not a deterrent for the potential to go beyond where they're at. That's true spiritually. That's true spiritually. There's a greater potential that we have than what we've tapped. For us to honestly believe and to accept, we serve a God who has so loved each one of us plus the world that he gave his son to die for us. He believes you are of worth to him. And he believes that you are able to do far more than you've ever dreamed possible. The question simply will be, do you believe it enough to obey it? Do you understand that right now, right now, you are preparing to meet God? How's that preparation going? You're preparing to meet God, to stand before him, to answer for what you've done with what he has so richly, abundantly, beyond comprehension, blessed you with. So as you consider that answer, as you look at the life that you're living, as you anticipate what shall come in eternity, are you ready? Make the preparation now while the time has been given. Be it to become a child of God, be it to renew a life in Christ Jesus again. If there's a need to make a change in your life, if we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.